Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Chicago's Legal Latte, a series of podcasts brought to you by Lavelle Law Limited. Throughout this series, the attorneys from Lavelle Law will share their answers to questions about a variety of topics for individuals and small businesses. To participate in today's discussion, you can email us at podcast at lavellelaw.com. Talk about different legal topics from week to week uh, here on Chicago's Legal Latte. We we really take a couple of different approaches. Uh, some weeks we try to provide some thoughts for you uh, specifically to consider for your personal or professional life, uh, perhaps ways in which certain actions you do or, or may, maybe do not take can impact you from a legal perspective. Uh, and then other times we'll just kind of remove you from the equation and simply discuss and explain certain legal concepts that uh, may be beneficial uh, to those of you with an interest. And that latter approach is, is one we're going to employ today. Uh, hi, everybody. Jim Mitchell back with you again, and, and we're going to visit the courtroom in this uh, edition uh, and get a better understanding of the process of questioning witnesses during a trial. I'll be joined by a gentleman with uh, two decades of experience in this realm, Attorney Matthew Sheehan. Uh, Matthew's a partner at Lavelle Law uh, and is a highly regarded uh, litigator among his peers for his courtroom skills, so it's a pleasure to have you with us. Matt, good afternoon. How are you today? Afternoon. Doing great, Jim. So as we you know, begin the discussion here. I'm going to assume that um, there are always certain rules and restrictions that must be adhered to in the courtroom, uh, and I'm, I'm sure we'll hear about those today. But is it always, you know, is it safe to assume that the ability to question witnesses effectively within those rules is is really something of a skill that can differentiate one attorney from another? Absolutely, I think, um, especially a, a, a a well-prepared cross-examination in most cases is where the case is won because that is um, your opportunity to question the adverse witness, uh, either um, the the party opposite your client or uh, a third-party witness that uh, has testimony that's um, you know damaging to your client. So uh, the cross-examination of those types of witnesses uh, in front of the judge can be the f- most effective way to uh, hopefully elicit favorable testimony um, and start persuading the judge towards your side of the case. And is that the is that the right definition of cross-examination in that you have the opportunity then to, to uh, address questions towards a witness that, that the opposing attorney has brought to the trial? Correct. So uh, generally speaking, most cases have... Um, two cases in chief. So if I represent a plaintiff uh, and uh, I'm putting my case on, uh, I can call whatever witnesses I want to call. Of course, if I call my own client, that and we'll go through that a little bit. Uh, I would have to um, question him in such a way um, that does, that avoids leading questions, and that that's a direct mm-hmm. examination. Uh, I can also call witnesses in my own case in chief uh, that are adverse to my case, and and I can ask for an instruction from the court that I be allowed to treat that witness as adverse, and that gives me the ability to ask questions that are leading uh, in more of a cross-examination format, um, uh, which is helpful uh, because you're allowed to to lead uh, the witness in, in regards to the question. So as opposed to the way I always describe it to my clients is, you know, when I have um, my client on the stand, I cannot lead them. So we spend a lot of time pre-hearing, pre-trial, 
going through the questions that I'm going to ask. And uh, obviously, they're sworn under oath. And the biggest thing I tell people uh, is to tell the truth. Uh, number one, it's the easiest thing to remember. And number two, uh, that is the only thing that, that the judge wants to see. If you get caught in a misstatement or you know a lie on the stand, obviously your credibility is damaged, and then um, your opponent can make the argument, "Hey, judge, you know they 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 lied about this or they um, misstated this. Why should you, you believe anything they say?" So we spend a lot of time preparing the client before trial, going through their direct examination. And when I say a direct examination, and I and I mean I can't ask leading questions. I have to ask what I call open-ended questions, like. Um, you know what happened on this particular date who who else was there um, what what did you talk about you know really more questions that the witness himself has to supply the information um, yeah. I cannot lead them so uh, as opposed to on cross-examination I can ask leading questions and, and a lot of times you'll hear attorneys say you know isn't it true that when you met with mr. Um, Smith um, you had no intention on uh, closing this particular transaction. And so I can ask a question that's leading to the answer that I want. Now, of course, that person may not give me the answer that I want. They may they may disagree with me, but hopefully I'm prepared both uh, on their prior testimony in a deposition as well as uh, what the documents involved in the case state so I can uh, use those to put in front of them as exhibits or even go back to their deposition. And if they're saying something different on the stand than they did during their de de deposition, I can then use that deposition testimony, which was also sworn under oath, as, as a way to damage their credibility in front of the judge. Yeah, no, as, as you prepare, you, you talked about a number of things there, and I, I certainly want to get back to the questions and, and the concept of leading questions. But... Um, as you compare cross-examining someone and, and direct examination, as you described it, um, do you find, uh, in, in your case, uh, generally, you know, does one provide more benefit to you than the other as you as you try and uh, present your case? I think, uh, you know, f they're both very important, obviously. Um, and to me, on for a direct examination. Uh, it really comes down to preparing the client and the witness before the hearing, kind of taking them through a script almost and trying to, you know, rehearse kind of the question and answer. So when they take the stand, they're comfortable. They know what's coming. They know the truthful testimony that we, is necessary to get out there in, in the courtroom in front of the judge so we can start demonstrating to the judge that we're, you know, we're proving our case, the elements of our case. Um, so I, I always think that it's most of my work for a direct examination comes, you know, before the trial starts, getting my witness ready and making them comfortable with, you know, the questions that I'm going to answer. But it's also preparing them to be cross-examined by the other side because once, mm -hmm. I, you know, once right. I'm done, you know, the other side's going to start firing questions at them. So uh, frequently I will also play play devil's advocate and try to get in the mind of my opposing counsel and and start harping on the weak points and, and trying to, you know, put them in a box with leading questions uh, and how are they going to react? And 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 both not only with their testimony, testimony, but also their demeanor on the on the stand. I mean, that's why it's very important that the trial judge see the witness live, because as anybody knows, when you're looking at somebody in the face uh, and watching them uh, tell you know tell a story about something, sometimes you can tell someone's lying just by the way that they act. 
the way that the answer comes out, how much time that they take in between a question and answer, um, just various different kind of you know what you know what the old movies would call a tell. You know, does this person have a tell that yeah. I, I'm not really trusting their credibility? Now, I want to, I want to talk a little bit about um, the concept of, of leading questions. You know, when we talk about leading a witness, in my mind, uh, and again, driven probably by, you know, entertainment sources, that, that always seemed to be a bad thing, something that was disallowed. But if I'm hearing you right, uh, as a litigator, you actually have the opportunity to provide those leading questions and in the right circumstances. They're very much allowable and, in fact, beneficial to you. Absolutely. I think uh, <clears throat> for a direct exam, you cannot use leading questions. But for a cross-examination, you absolutely can, and it's really the most effective way to do it. Well, you know, when, <clears throat> for example, if I'm a defendant, if I represent a defendant <clears throat> and the plaintiff takes the stand, of course, their attorney is going to elicit all the favorable testimony for, for that particular party. Uh, and they're going to ask, you know, that, that his his own attorney is going to ask the questions, and, and that witness is going to provide the answers that and paint it in the best light for their position. But then I get to start poking holes in it with my cross examination. And um, as the years have gone by, I think uh, the pacing of that examination is important. I think uh, the organization of the you know the cross examination is important. You know, generally you're trying to go in a chronological fashion as to uh, whatever went down to um, form the basis of the dispute, so that it's easily understandable. And you really start trying to put them in a box as far as certain parts of their testimony and the weak parts of their testimony. And uh, if you can do it in such a manner, using documents in the case that kind of contradict what they're, the story that they're telling. Uh, and also, it's very, um, it's incredibly effective when you impeach a witness. So if, if I asked him a question during his deposition and he gave a certain answer, and then during trial, I ask him the same question and he gives a different answer, I can literally go, you know, take out the deposition transcript, and this is where it's important to be very prepared, because I got to get to the page that that answer is contained quickly. So you know, I'm I'm keeping the interest of the judge and everybody else, and keeping the pacing going. And I can say, hey, you know, um, Mr. Plaintiff, uh, do you recall giving a deposition on August 1st, 2016? I I asked you this question, and you said this, and and now the judge is looking at the witness, saying, well. Why you were sworn under oath in August and gave one answer, and now you're trying to tell me something different um, at this trial in October? And I don't, I don't know that I believe you. Uh, really, what you're trying to do in cross-examination is expose the weak points and damage the credibility of that witness. So uh, obviously, um, I'm, if I'm a defendant, I want the judge to think that my clients are the more credible witnesses, and so that's that's how you do it with an effective cross-examination. Uh, Matthew Sheen is a guest on the podcast today. He's a partner at Lavelle Law. Uh, he's been recognized by Super Lawyer Magazine in, in multiple years for his business litigation work and, and at the same time actually received recognition for his volunteer work with the Legal Assistance Foundation of Metropolitan Chicago. Uh, you can learn more about Matthew and, and read uh, certainly some of his articles and, and other materials at LavelleLaw.com. I've got a few minutes left here, and I want to kind of tie things together because you've referenced the deposition phase several times. And, and how you utilize that in the trial itself. Now, when you're questioning during deposition, are the same rules in effect regarding direct and cross-examination and leading questions, or is it a different answer? 
Well, the, the same rules are in effect. However, um, we call depositions here in Illinois discovery depositions for the most part. It's, it's really your opportunity to discover what the other side uh, has to say about certain questions. But certainly when I'm asking an opposing party questions during a deposition, I can be leading. Um, and there's less objections because it's uh, it's discovery. So if you think about litigation as a funnel, and uh, a, during a discovery deposition, you know a lot of things are going to come in. You're you're able to talk about things that may not be directly re- relevant. Maybe they're uh, lead to something else that's relevant. All of that is allowed to to be talked about during a de- deposition. Now during trial, the rules tighten. And what you know what a, for example a document that. Uh, uh, party may have been examined about during a deposition may may be excluded for trial because it's a hearsay document and or a foundation wasn't laid or there's a lot of d- different rules that come into a trial. So a deposition is generally more expansive. Uh, you're allowed to get into more material that may not be relevant. And whereas you go to a trial, you've got to pass muster with all these different evidentiary rules, uh, the most common of which most people know is hearsay, which you know, the rule itself is pretty easy to understand. It's it's the uh, 30 or so exceptions to the rule that are always difficult for lawyers to uh, to master. Uh, and frankly, I'm, uh, on a couple of those exceptions, I'm still trying to master it. <laughs> well, I'm going to ask you one question with about 30 seconds left here. Maybe this leads to a future discussion. But you've talked about your role asking the questions. What about when the opposing attorney is asking questions? Are there certain times that you can object to what's being done, whether it's leading yes, or of course. One of the big ones is if he's got his witness, you know, his party on the on the stand and he's leading, I'm going to object to that right away because he's trying to put words into his client's mouth instead of allowing his client to explain. Uh, but in most trials these days, the judges want you to try and work through the category of documents as much as you can and stipulate to some of those documents so you don't get bogged down with foundation and hearsay exceptions. But uh, absolutely, once the other party is questioning, my job is to object to any kind of improper document or any kind of improper um, admission of evidence that I don't think complies with the rules. Excellent. Well, Matthew Sheen, uh, we certainly want to thank you for joining us today. Always a great conversation, and uh, we will uh, certainly look forward to having him back with us and let him uh, go ahead and get back to work at Lavelle Law right now. LavelleLaw.com is the place to find more background and information and all of our past podcasts featuring Matthew and all the other attorneys at Lavelle Law. Thanks for being here. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Chicago's Legal Latte. If you have any questions or topics for a future episode, please call Lavelle Law Limited at 847-705-7555 or email us at podcast at lavellelaw.com. 